Hello, everybody. Today I'm going to be talking about the resurrection. Resurrection is the return of the spirit with the body in an immortal state, no longer subject to disease or death because of the fall of Adam and Eve. We are subject to physical death, which the scriptures of the spiritual from the body through the atonement of Jesus Christ. All people will be resurrected, resurrected and saved from physical death. Resurrection is the running of the spirit with the, bo the body and in an immortal state, no longer subject to disease or death. The Savior was the first person in, on earth to be resurrected. The New Testament um, contains several actions testified that he rose from the tomb. When the resurrection, the Lord appealed to his apostles. He helped them understand that he had a body of flesh and bones. He said, Behold, my mind and my feet, that is it, that it is I myself. Hold me and see, for the Spirit had, hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. He also appealed to the Nephites after his resurrection. At, at the time of the resurrection, we will be judged according to our works. We, sh we, we shall be brought to stand before God, knowing even as we know now, and have a bright uh, recollection of all of our guilt, the eternal glory we receive, we de we depend on our faithfulness. All, although all people will be resurrected, only those who have come unto Christ and partake of the fullness of His gospel with the intercession in the celebration celestial kingdom. And understanding the testimony of resurrection can give, we hope, uh, person as we expected the challenge, trials, and tribulation of life. We can find our comfort and assistance that the Savior live, that through his atonement he bringeth the bonds of death, that he gave shall be have no victory, and that the stain of death should be swallowed up in the hope of glory. And third Nephi nine six um and six Nephi nine six it says, for the death has passed upon all men to fulfill the monophysical plan of the great creation. There must need be a power of resurrection. Resurrection the resurrection must needs come unto man by the resurrection of the fall. And the fall come by the resurrection of transgression. And because men become fallen, that we cut off from the progress of the Lord. And then Mosiah fifteen nineteen and 26, it says, For will not of the redemption which had made from his people, which was printed from the foundation of the world, I say unto you, Will it not, for this is all mankind, must be, have per it, um, but behold, the bonds of death shall be broken, and the son of resigning the half power over the dead. Therefore, he bring the pass the resurrection of the dead.
and he cometh to the resurrection, and for the resurrection, even the resurrection of those who have been and who are and shall be even unto the resurrection of Christ, for so shall be called. And then Mosiah 7 and 11. Uh, if you want to read Mosiah 7 and 11, you can. Um, it doesn't show all of it on my end, but you can go in the scriptures and read about that. And then Alma eleven forty three it says, The spirit and the body shall be re- returned again, and it's powerful from the both lamb and joint shall be restored it to purple form, even as we now are in that time, and we shall be brought to stand before God, known even as we know now, and have brought recognition of our guilt. Then Alma 40. If you want to read Alma 40, you can. This is the resurrection of Christ by Edward D. Todd Christopherson, April 2014 General Conference. A crushing sense of defeat and despair enveloped his disciples as Jesus suffered and died on the cross and his body was placed lifeless in the tomb. Despite what the Savior had repeatedly said of his death and subsequent rising again, they had not understood. The dark afternoon of his crucifixion, however, was soon followed by the joyous morning of his resurrection. But that joy came only as the disciples became eyewitnesses of the resurrection, for even the declaration of angels that he had risen was at first incomprehensible. It was something so totally unprecedented. Mary Magdalene and a few other faithful women came early to the Savior's tomb that Sunday morning, bringing spices and ointments to complete the anointing begun when the Lord's body was hastily laid in the sepulcher before the approaching Sabbath. On this morning of mornings, they were greeted by an open sepulcher, the covering stone having been rolled away and two angels who declared, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. As bidden by the angels, Mary Magdalene looked into the tomb, but it seems that all that registered in her mind was that the body of the Lord was gone. She hurried to report to the apostles, and finding Peter and John, said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter and John ran to the place and verified that indeed the tomb was empty. Seeing the linen clothes lying and the napkin that was wrapped about his head together in a place by itself. John apparently was the first to comprehend the magnificent message of resurrection. He writes that he saw and believed. 
whereas the others to that point knew not the scripture that Jesus must rise again from the dead. Peter and John left, but Mary remained behind, still in mourning. In the meantime, the angels had returned and tenderly asked her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. At that moment, the resurrected Savior, now standing behind her, spoke, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Elder James E. Talmadge wrote, It was Jesus to whom she spake, her beloved Lord, though she knew it not. One word from his living lips changed her agonized grief into ecstatic joy. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. The voice, the tone, the tender accent she had heard and loved in the earlier days lifted her from the despairing depths into which she had sunk. She turned and saw the Lord. In a transport of joy, she reached out her arms to embrace him, uttering only the enduring and worshipful word, Rabboni, meaning my beloved master. And so this blessed woman became the first mortal to see and speak to the resurrected Christ. Later that same day, he appeared to Peter in or near Jerusalem to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and in the evening to ten of the apostles and others, appearing suddenly in their midst, saying, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Then to further convince them, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he ate broiled fish and honeycomb before them. Later he instructed them, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Beyond these confirmed witnesses in Jerusalem, we have the incomparable ministry of the risen Lord to ancient inhabitants of the Western Hemisphere. In the land bountiful, he descended from heaven and invited the assembled throng, some 2,500, to come forward one by one until they had all gone forth, thrusting their hands into his side and feeling the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And when they had all gone forth and had witnessed for themselves, they did cry out with one accord, saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Most High God. And they did fall down at the feet of Jesus and did worship him. Christ's resurrection shows that his existence is independent and everlasting. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lie it, lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. The Savior is not dependent on food or water or oxygen or any other substance or power or person for life. 
both as Jehovah and Messiah. He is the great I am, the self-existing God. He simply is and ever will be. By his atonement and resurrection, Jesus Christ has overcome all aspects of the fall. Physical death will be temporary, and even spiritual death has an end. And that all come back into the presence of God, at least temporarily, to be judged. We can have ultimate trust and confidence in his power to overcome all else and grant us everlasting life. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In the words of Elder Neal A. Maxwell, Christ's victory over death ended the human predicament. Now there are only personal predicaments. And from these two, we may be rescued by following the teachings of him who rescued us from general extinction, unquote. Having satisfied the demands of justice, Christ now steps into the place of justice, or we might say he is justice, just as he is love. Likewise, besides being a perfect and just God, he is a perfect, merciful God. Thus the Savior makes all things right. No injustice in mortality is permanent, even death, for he restores life again. No injury, disability, betrayal, or abuse goes uncompensated in the end because of his ultimate justice and mercy. By the same token, we are all accountable to him for our lives, our choices, and our actions, even our thoughts. Having redeemed us from the fall, our lives are in reality his he declared, Behold, I have given unto you my gospel, and this is the gospel which I have given unto you, that I came into the world to do the will of my Father, because my Father sent me. And my Father sent me that I might be lifted up upon the cross. And after that I had been lifted up upon the cross, that I might draw all men unto me. That as I have been lifted up by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father to stand before me and to be judged of their works. Consider for a moment the significance of the resurrection in resolving once and for all the true identity of Jesus of Nazareth and the great philosophical contests and questions of life. If Jesus was in fact literally resurrected, it necessarily follows that he is a divine being. No mere mortal has the power in himself to come to life again after dying. Because he was resurrected, Jesus cannot have been only a carpenter, a teacher, a rabbi, or a prophet. Because he was resurrected, Jesus had to have been a God, even the only begotten Son of the Father. Therefore, what he taught is true. God cannot lie. Therefore, he was the creator of the earth, as he said. Therefore, heaven and hell are real, as he taught. Therefore, there is a world of spirits which he visited after his death. Therefore, he will come again and reign personally upon the earth. 
Therefore, there is a final judgment and a resurrection for all. Given the reality of the resurrection of Christ, doubts about the omnipotence, omniscience, and benevolence of God the Father who gave his only begotten Son for the redemption of the world are groundless. Doubts about the meaning and purpose of life are unfounded. Jesus Christ is, in fact, the only name or way by which salvation can come to mankind. The grace of Christ is real, affording both forgiveness and cleansing to the repentant sinner. Faith truly is more than imagination or psychological invention. There is ultimate and universal truth, and there are objective and unchanging moral standards as taught by him. Given the re resurrection of Christ, repentance of any violation of his law and commandments is both possible and urgent. The Savior's miracles were real, as is his promise to his disciples that they might do the same and even greater works. His priesthood is necessarily a real power that administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. Given the reality of the resurrection of Christ, death is not our end. And though skinworms destroy our bodies, yet in our flesh shall we see God. President Thomas S. Monson tells of a Robert Blatchford who 100 years ago, in his book, God and My Neighbor, attacked with vigor accepted Christian beliefs such as God, Christ, prayer, and immortality. He boldly asserted, I claim to have proved everything I set out to prove so fully and decisively that no Christian, however great or able he may be, can answer my arguments or shake my case. He surrounded himself with a wall of skepticism. Then a surprising thing happened. His wall suddenly crumbled to dust. Slowly he began to feel his way back to the faith he had scorned and ridiculed. What had caused this profound change in his outlook? His wife had died. With a broken heart, he went into the room where lay all that was mortal of her. He looked again at the face he loved so well. Coming out, he said to a friend, it is she, and yet it is not she. Everything has changed. Something that was there before is taken away. She's not the same. What can be gone if it be not the soul? Did the Lord in reality die and rise again? Yes. The fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. As the prophesied birth of Jesus drew near, there were those among the ancient Nephite and Lamanite peoples, those who believed, though most doubted. In due course, the sign of his birth arrived, a day, a night, and a day without darkness, and all knew. Even so today, some believe in the literal resurrection of Christ, and many doubt or disbelieve, but some know.
In due course, all will see and all will know. Indeed, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess before him. Until then, I believe the many witnesses of the Savior's resurrection, whose experiences and testimonies are found in the New Testament, Peter and his companions of the Twelve and dear pure Mary of Magdala, among others. I believe the testimonies found in the Book of Mormon, of Nephi the Apostle with the unnamed multitude in the land bountiful, among others. And I believe the testimony of Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon, who after many other testimonies proclaimed the great witness of this last dispensation, that he lives, for we saw him. Under the glance of his all-seeing eye, I stand myself. that he lives, for we saw him. Under the glance of his all many other testimonies proclaim the great witness of this last dispensation, that he lives, for we saw him. Under the glance of his all-seeing eye, I stand myself as a witness that Jesus of Nazareth is the resurrected Redeemer. And I testify of all that follows from the fact of his resurrection. May you receive the conviction and comfort of that same witness, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why I picked that is because of this weekend. It's going to be the Easter weekend. And as we reflect on Jesus Christ and his resurrection, that's what the Easter is. It's about when he died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. Um, when we reflect it through the scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about um, he died for, he came down this earth to feel the pain and die on the cross and resurrect on the third day. Um, when we reflect on that day, he resurrected. So when we die, we can resurrect it in a full, healthy body. We, we, all our pains and sufferings will be gone. All of our, we'll be perfect like Jesus Christ was when he when we die and come back to life. But right now we're on a. Um, state that we try to do our best. We study our scriptures. We go through life to know that when we do that through life, we will be happy through the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I know that when we are happy and the knowing that this Easter season, we can reflect on Him and how how much He's been through and how much we can help other people. I know that when we respect and learn about Jesus Christ and his resurrection, even though we do the Easter hunt and the Easter bunny, but make sure you study the scripture and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on a Sunday or before the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, 
reflect the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's okay to do those little fun things with your kids, the Easter Bunny, it's fine. But make sure you reflect and teach your kids and your children about the Easter Sunday and how he um, passed away, uh, how he died on the cross and come back on the third day. And remember the conference talk we listened to this conference weekend last weekend. The Passover was even more important as well. When we reflect the Savior Jesus Christ, he died for us. I know that for a fact. He died for us so that we can have a perfect body. When we die, we will have a perfect body. But right now, we don't. But try to be perfect. We're not perfect, and we try to do our best. But sometimes we're not perfect in other ways. Try to be perfect. Try to be happier in Jesus Christ. Try to um, reflect on the Savior Jesus Christ. I promise that when we reflect on this Easter, Easter season, we'll be blessed through our life. I promise that when we do that, Heavenly Father, that would help you. I say this name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you enjoy this rest of the week and a happy Easter. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye-bye.